folks, it's your pal Robin here. I'm just letting you know that we had some technical difficulties this week. There's a point about 40 minutes into this show where we start talking about the Hideo Kojima documentary, where my recording just completely gave up and didn't want to participate anymore. And, you know, who could blame it? So from that point on, uh, there's about 10 more minutes of episode that I was able to stitch together of just Willa's audio track. Uh, the rest of it didn't really make much sense <laughs> without the back and forth, uh, but that's at least something to listen to on the Hideo Kojima doc and on the new game Dordone, which I think we both had pretty similar and mixed feelings about. But yeah, I also wanted to let you know we may be taking next week off, uh, depending on whether we're able to schedule uh, a recording at a, a, a different time than normal. Uh, stay tuned to Twitter. We'll let you know if we're going to be releasing an episode next week or not. And I will also be back <laughs> with a, a sign off at the end of this episode just to make the the ending a little less jarring but until then i uh, hope you enjoy the salvageable part of this episode and we will see you in one or two weeks hello and welcome back to Gromo. this is episode 35 i am one of your hosts willa Rowe. and i'm your other host robin b uh starting off robin you have finally caught up to something that i've done and you, I don't have preamble. I feel like you're looking yeah, at me no, like... <laughs> I'm good at preamble because you're... I like to delay things from happening. I, um, I'm not. I just felt very judged. Why? I don't know. The pressure was on. I'm very no, bad at the intro. that's just what my face looks like. It's been a... Here's the, the preamble. It's been a slow news week. And neither of us had a very good idea for what to talk about this, this episode. What's new? So, well, sometimes we have some ideas. Yeah. Uh, this is... Um, Hey, there are a couple things in here. We we have some ideas. We have some stuff to talk about. Yeah. Usually we just have, there's usually something where we're like, we have a thing to be excited about and a thing to yell about. Mm -hmm. And I think we're kind of in the middle on a lot of stuff this week. Yeah. At least, I mean, there's one thing that I don't know about. Maybe you want to yell about. We'll find out. <laughs> we shall. To go back to you finishing that sentence that I interrupted. <laughs> Yeah, so um, the Final Fantasy 16 demo has finally dropped for the public. Although I guess at the time that this releases, the game itself will be out the next day. Right. A fact that we both only Forgot, remembered yeah. 45 seconds ago. Because we're so hyped for Final Fantasy 16. World's biggest Final Fantasy fans. Anyways, uh, so you finally played the demo and I want to get your opinion of it um, after, you know, I've yelled at you enough about what I thought. Mm -hmm. Well, so there's been a lot of talk from the development team, particularly Yoshi P, about how this game was heavily inspired by Game of Thrones. And what I have learned after playing the demo is that that means that they are just trying to make Game of Thrones, except this time Shiva's in it. Which, to be honest, I mean... Anything with Shiva is an improvement. I mean, that is an improvement. That's true. Mm -hmm. It's, um, hmm. I don't want to get into the debate over like, is this really Final Fantasy? What is Final Fantasy? Yeah. I think it's tiresome. I think that's not really for like anyone to decide. I don't think it means anything. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked before about like what makes Final Fantasy Final Fantasy. Like it's not tone and it's not like how the combat happens. Like all that shit I think is completely superfluous. But there is an element of it that does feel like, I, as we've talked about a million times before, like in in the like the you know the coverage of this game has sort of come out that like it doesn't feel like the way that 
Final Fantasy games are typically approached by Square Enix, where there's like this exciting new idea they want to try. It feels more like, here's a thing that we've seen other people do, and let's try to make our version of it. That's very much how I feel about it after having played the demo. So the game of If Thrones Influence comes in with, you know, just lots of like violence and grimness and everyone is mean to each other even when it doesn't make sense to there's only three women in the entire thing uh and their personalities are bitch bitch and cannon fodder yeah i i am so mad Love about the women in going this game. to die the fact sorry the fact that like the whole instigating event of this game seems to be that clive's mom is just a bitch mm-hmm immediate turn off and like in a very uninteresting way too yeah like it's just like you aren't my special little phoenix boy Mm -hmm. and therefore you need to be sold into slavery it's Mm -hmm. just like this isn't a character like this is a this is like a i don't know what it is it's like a character assassination of this person who doesn't exist also you know benedict is bad and a bitch because she's also the most sexually promiscuous character in the game she like speaks she like interrupts a man and then has sex with another man and therefore she's evil Hmm. it's um and then there's jill who's like you know a sweet young girl and so she's gonna have to be like broken by the world and become extremely cynical and then die probably (laughs) probably so the story's bad. I don't like nothing about the story was appealing to me. Like so the the trailers that we've seen for this so far, there's been sort of a blank space as to like what exactly is happening in the beginning. Like there are these shots of like Joshua, who is the main character's younger brother, possibly being like killed by these soldiers, or maybe it's just his dad is killed by the soldiers in front of him and all these things. Uh and it was like there was a bit of a like, I don't know, speculation around how that sort of inciting incident was going to happen. And it turns out to be essentially like Joshua becomes the the phoenix and your character Clive becomes Ifrit and ends up killing Joshua, which I think is like a more interesting way for that to play out than just like, oh, the bad guys killed my brother and now I'm out for revenge. Mm-hmm. Like there is some there is something a little more um, interesting there about like. Clive has this power that erupted and he lost control of it. And because of that, his little brother died. And now he's like dealing with the grief of his little brother's death and also his own guilt in that. So I think that's, I don't know, at least a little bit interesting. (laughs) Not like a thing that I'm particularly like fascinated by, but it's like, okay, you didn't do like the most obvious thing. And I guess that's good. And then when it comes to like how the game actually plays, um, I The demo is like the very opening of the game. So I think there is room for it to get interesting later. But I will say what I played, which is like the first, I don't know, couple of hours of the game, not very interesting. It's like, I don't know, it's this like fast paced kind of like uh, action combat system, which is new for Final Fantasy. I don't think it's very good. I have a bold take. I mean, it's Devil May Cry Light. Obviously, that's why they got the combat director from Devil May Cry. But the thing about Devil May Cry and like, I'm not a huge Devil May Cry fan, but I've like, I've played five um, and the combat in that is much more interesting. There's a lot more complexity. And I think the difficulty about like really fast paced action games is that you still want to make the player feel like they can pull off, pull off combos like well and do interesting things. And this feels more like 
combat like The Witcher, but with more flash like Devil May Cry, where it's like there's not a lot of complexity. It's really just Mm -hmm. you smash some buttons. And the thing that I would get absolutely crucified for, and the thing is, I think I'm absolutely right, is do you want to know what game I think is most similar to Final Fantasy 16? What? Forspoken. Interesting. It's so similar. It's so similar. And like both of them revolve around like it's either you use your, you know, your melee weapon or you use magic for like some distance attacks. And then occasionally you have like a special strong attack. And just like for Spoken, eventually as you get further into um, Final Fantasy 16, you get to switch between different like elemental powers that change things slightly. It's so funny to me that there's so much. It's very much that meme of like, show me like corporate needs you to like, like tell the difference between these two pictures. And it's like, it's the same picture. They are so similar. And I just think people won't say that because they decided Forspoken was a bad game that needed to Mm -hmm. be derided. And Final Fantasy 16 is a perfect game before it comes out. So it's going to need to be praised. But I don't really think there's much special about it. Yeah, I mean, that's that 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 is kind of what sums up my feelings on it the most is like there's just not that much special about it yeah where i think like what i i was expecting them to do a take on like they did with final fantasy 7 they were like we're gonna make a an action combat system but with the strategy that comes with some of the strategy that comes from a turn-based game and so far you know in this very short demo i've seen nothing that even hints at their being a strategy to employ so the, the basics of the combat are like like you said you have like a melee attack and you have a like ranged magic attack and you can also like if you time it correctly you can like do a melee attack and then like when that connects you hit the magic button and it does like a burst of magic damage and i was like that's cool like i like that idea so it's not like you're just like button mashing the attack button and you know you have to switch it up a little but then in practice what that means is you're just alternating between the melee and the magic button like it, it didn't add a, an ounce of depth to it and also like the other sort of main system that you're working with is if you hit these like the kind of like boss or like mini boss type enemies enough you can like stagger them and they sort of fall over and you can do a lot of damage but the way to stagger them is just to hit them a bunch so there's like not any strategy there either you also don't have any control over your like party members it really does just feel like it's it's I played on like the there's like two difficulty settings, I think, in the demo and I played on the harder one and there was never a single moment where I was like, oh, I didn't need to use a potion the whole time. Like mm-hmm. most of the fights, like I didn't even get hit and all literally all I was doing was just button mashing. So there's just kind of like it's brainless. It just feels kind of tossed off. And again, it's the very beginning. Maybe it gets more interesting, but it was just it was like you said, like it it's it feels like it's going for a devil may cry type combat but without any of the complexity mm-hmm. and that doesn't leave really anything because what defined that game was its complexity it's 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 there's just nothing left there i'll actually say uh, another game that it really reminded me of is god of war ragnarok specifically mm-hmm. not like not god of war 2018 but god of war ragnarok because it's another game where uh, like when you're going through missions in final fantasy 16 it feels very linear like you're going kind of just from area with enemies through a corridor basically to another area with enemies and the game and i felt this way about god of War ragnarok which did a lot of the same the game doesn't really feel like it can make combat too interesting 
but it forces you to keep going through these rounds and rounds of combat. And I don't know what the what is up with this. And this was like really frustrating for me when I was playing is it was like, it feels like every enemy, even basic enemies are like damage sponges to an extent. And it takes a long, it takes a little bit longer to beat each. It takes more than I feel like it should each time. I don't know. I didn't really feel that way. Maybe there, I'm just bad at the game. Parts of these games, maybe. Yeah, I'm probably just you're not a real gamer like me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's like a part of this demo where you're fighting this like army of goblins or whatever, and they just keep, like you said, like they just keep throwing them at you. Mm-hmm. But it was, it just felt like all I was doing was like I would do like a dash attack toward one, hit it a few times with my sword, do a dash attack toward the other. Like I didn't even need to look at the other ones to see what they were doing and make sure that I was like being strategic. It was just like, there's an arrow marked on the side of my screen that's indicating where the enemy is. I'm just going to move in that direction and just keep hitting this attack Mm -hmm. button. And that's, it was just like kind of over before it felt like it had even started. Yeah. I did feel that way with like the bigger enemies though. There was definitely like damage sponges. It was just like, Go, go this doing the same combo for just like four and a half minutes and it was yeah. just ugh. and i will say like compared to final fantasy 7 remake i like that you brought it up because like final fantasy 7 remake i think does an excellent job of creating honestly what i think is one of the best combat systems like in any game i really like it i think it's really exciting and i think it does a lot of good i think it does a good job at translating some of the like strategic elements of turn-based combat into action-based combat and making like characters feel interesting how they play, and I, I yeah, I don't feel that in this game. I I actually don't love um, remakes combat. Well, fine. I think then. it's I think it's kind of dull. I do think what you're saying though is true that it does make every character feel different, mm-hmm. and I think what it does really well is like we were saying, like bring those kind of strategic elements of turn-based combat into an action system. I think it's it's very good at that. I don't think it's particularly like fun combat system there are parts like i think it it does really well in in boss fights where Mm -hmm. you have to use different abilities you have to like exploit weaknesses things like that and it seems like that's what final fantasy 16 so far is doing really poorly because yeah it is just doing the same thing over and over whereas at least when you have like a horde of enemies at you it's like there is the possibility that you have to be a little more like cognizant of the battlefield and stuff like that but yeah and okay so Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to ask you about. So the demo ends with like the icon battle. Okay, yeah, that's literally what I was about to transition to as well. Which is like the big thing for these games. And I wanted to ask like what your thoughts were on, you know, the icon battle. And like, I know each one is going to be different and all, but I think we can get a good idea of what's coming with them. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. know what like your takeaway was. Right. So yeah, each one is going to be different. It's like, a big break from the combat style of the game and each one has its own mechanic basically mm-hmm. so i can only assume that as the game goes on these battles will get like they assume that you've warmed up to it a bit more and have a bit more skill with the game so they can get more complex and more difficult and more interesting which uh i hope that they do because this first one was unbelievably boring it's um a big spectacle. It's just like watching a cutscene of like just a bunch of like two big fire monsters punching each other and a bunch of stuff getting destroyed. But it's basically like a, a rail shooter, like a Panzer Dragoon style, like move the cursor around and shoot, but it's very bad. Uh, you just like hold down the button to shoot the entire time and occasionally press a different button to dodge. 
the like things that are happening on screen have very little correspondence to what you're actually doing. You're just sort of like watching these two monsters do their thing. And then when it looks like you have to push the dodge button, you do that. And it goes on fucking forever. forever. And it makes you do it twice. It's so long. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, all, I was, it was convinced a lot. That I was like doing something wrong because it was yeah. going on for like five minutes and I was like, did I miss something? Should I have been doing something different? Like, did I lose really, this already? I'd be really curious to replay it and just not interact at all and see what happens. Like, will it make you... Does it just give you a game over or something? Yeah. Or is it one of those things where it's just like it won't actually game over? I don't know. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But it was boring. It was it was mind-numbing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's like how the demo ends. Yeah, and it left me with like a really bad taste in my mouth where mm-hmm. I was just like... Oh, this is like, this was their like ace card, you know, like this is the big thing that they're selling this on. This is the spectacle that they want. And it's just like, there's just nothing there. I am, did you, so you played like a much longer version of it when you got to see the game. Did you get to any other icon battles? No, that's the thing. For me, the section that I played ended right before um, another icon battle. So I didn't actually get to play it. Mm -hmm. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say... One of the things that stood out the most to me, this, I hate it when this game, it multiple times, it like, there is like grievous bodily injury caused to chocobos and it's so upsetting to watch. (laughs) I I mean, the whole opening basically. Yes. And then there's a, there's a point at the end where there's like a building explodes or whatever Mm -hmm. and just a rock comes and fucking like bashes your chocobo in the head. And it's so sad. And I don't know, like, that's what, that's what feels like the, like leaning into the game, Game of Thrones shit for me, where it's just like brutal violence against animals for literally no reason. I mean, I think the first like 10 minutes of this game, which is like basically cutscene, is like very indicative of everything this game is going to be. Yeah, that's the other thing. The intro is very like watch a cutscene, mm-hmm. walk fifty yards, watch another cutscene. Like it was just like an extremely dull mm-hmm. intro. Which like Final Fantasy like, is always very story heavy mm-hmm. in its in like the introductions of its of it you know of its games. But this just seemed to I don't know. It didn't do it well. It was it mm-hmm. was a it was a bad. It was like trying to do the thing that we're expecting, but doing a really bad version of it. I I remember being so. I thought it was pretty funny how um, like five minutes in, there's just like a heavy makeout session and it was so out of place to me. And I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. This is so cringe. It just goes from like shots of war to shots of political drama that is like kind of uninteresting, especially this Mm. early into the game when you have no like understanding of what's going on. And then you get some heavy making out and then you're back to war this was like a stupid thing and this is not like a serious complaint, but I remember something that I thought was really funny is in the opening of this game, there is a scene of somebody like snapping. I think you see, um, is it that you see Titan snap or something? No, I don't remember. There's some, uh, if I recall correctly, oh, is I, it in the, like in that war room where they are arguing. Maybe, yeah. Does one of them... I think think maybe. So anyways, this is... It's a very stupid grape. So just hear me out. You Uh see someone snapping and then eventually Shiva does come out and then they don't do the... They don't do the Shiva snap. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) Hashtag not my final fantasy. Yeah, I know. They're edging with the Shiva snap. It's gonna... It's gonna be the only thing that keeps me going. Mm -hmm. But yeah, while you've been playing the Final Fantasy 16 demo, I have been out and about downtown in Tribeca, 
because it is the Tribeca Festival. And one of the things they have there is they have games because, you know, Martin Scorsese is cool. He likes video games. Uh, (laughs) But uh, they have an official selection of like games that compete for uh, the Tribeca Games Award. They've been doing this for like three years now. So I went down there and I played the games and I wanted to tell you about my thoughts. There was only seven of them, so not too many, but... Seven thoughts. Seven thoughts. Thought number one. (laughs) Me. Uh, (laughs) Ayo. Got him. Got him. So so the first game is A Highland Song, which is by Mm -hmm. Inkle Studios. And I've been looking forward to this game for a while. Um, It looks really, really pretty, really fascinating, just kind of like just very vibey like you're just kind of like walking and hiking around you know the highlands of scotland i really like this game this was one of my standouts it's so gorgeous it's so it really engrosses you in a way that i was like really shocked by like you go in and while your goal is to like get kind of to the end of this long path you just wander around the mountains and everywhere you go it's like oh you can look out at the vistas or pick up like a random item that you come across. Or at one point I ran into someone who was like, had a campfire and they were sitting there. And and so I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to you. And I ended up talking to this person for like 10 minutes. And it's really, it's a really beautiful game. I think the story is going to be really fascinating. It's about a girl who's running away from home for like some reasons we don't get too much but i just think it's like really beautiful it was really a standout to me i I liked it a lot um and it seems like there's going to be more complexity like there's cave systems uh that come into it and all this stuff like it lived up to my expectations which i was really excited about so then the next game is chance of sonar and Mm -hmm. developed by this developer called run disc i'm gonna say it this was my standout game this was like the game of the show for me the idea of this game is it is based on the like myth of the tower of babel and how you know god smite down the tower and made languages so that we couldn't communicate the way this game starts is you your your character and it's very like your character is almost journey-esque where it's like it's just a robed figure whatever um but you you wake up and you go into this room and there's a door that's like locking you from where you need to go Next to the door, there's a lever and there's a sign. And the sign is in a language that you cannot read. And you have to move the lever down to open the door. And then when you do this, the game is like, okay, you have a notebook. And the notebook, you will write down every single symbol of this language that you see. And your goal, the mechanics of this game, is that you need to translate this language by looking at this sign that is by the door, when it's in the up position, it's like there's a symbol and then there's another symbol. And then when it's the lever is down, there's a different symbol from either of those first two symbols. And then the second symbol is the same symbol as the second symbol when the lever is up. So it's like you think about it and it's like, okay, well, the same symbol is probably door or something like that, because it's you know, it's all related to the door. So the first one is probably, you know, shut door or lock door and bought like down is open door, unlock. And so you, what you do is like you go to your journal and you literally like type in what you think the symbols mean. 
And then from then on, when you're reading text and it has that symbol, it will have your like working translation shown. So it'll be like, this means open door. And then once you get through like a room, like, so for example, after this door room, there's another room where there's a moat and then there's a bunch of levers and there's a sign that has a bunch of symbols on it. And it's base, it's clearly a pattern of like which levers should be open or closed. And in the right order, it like the moat goes away and you're able to go in, like through the door. So by putting together that in the first door room, it's like open door, closed door. Now you know what symbol is open, what symbol is closed. So you use that for this moat room, which has like seven levers and you get the right order. And then you go through. But right before you go through the door, it's like, okay, here's a drawing in your journal of certain things. It's a drawing of a door. It's a drawing of a lock. And then it's a drawing of an unlocked lock. And it says basically like, take the symbol that you think correlates to this image and put it there. And then also you have to have your your translation, like what you think it means. And if it's all right, like if all these translations are correct, we'll like lock it in. We'll be like, yeah, you got this. And from then on, when you see those symbols, you'll see like what is translated. And then from that point on, though, it gets more complicated. Like I... In another room, I ran into somebody and they were, and we had to do more opening of levers, but there were other symbols that they were saying to me that I couldn't, you know, understand. And so by working through it, I was like, oh, you're telling, you're saying like you unlock or you lock the like door and then me lock or me open. So I like, I'm learning new parts of the language. It's really fascinating how this works Mm -hmm. and just like all the translation stuff. And then eventually you uh in the demo it went to like further into the game and by that point there's three entire languages and you have to then start not only translating each language but you can use correlations between different languages to figure out meanings so like if you know one symbol means open and then you figure out that that symbol correlates to a symbol in another language then you're able to figure out that that language means open it's really fascinating. I think it's one of the yeah. like most clever, interesting mechanics I've seen in a really long time. Like I, I thought a lot about what it was like the first time I played Obra Dinn playing this, and I just really loved it. Yeah, it is a really interesting game. It's one that I've been looking forward to for quite a while as well. Mm-hmm. There was a demo available for it on Steam. I don't know, maybe the last Next Fest or something that I played and was really great. It's it's not available anymore, unfortunately, but. It actually, it, yeah, it's interesting because it actually reminds me of Heaven's Vault, or initially it, it reminded me of Heaven's Vault, mm-hmm. which is another Inkle game, which is all about translating languages with a kind of similar system there. But I think what makes it different is that the comparison to Oberdin, I think, is exactly right because the the puzzle elements are much more forward in Chance of Senar, and there is that whole thing of like taking making educated guesses to to lock in these answers into a journal which i think makes it yeah it's an interesting combination of those two games which were like two of the most interesting mechanics that i've in games that i've played in like recent years but it doesn't yeah it it feels like its own thing it doesn't just feel like it's like taking these you know these other mechanics um yeah i'm glad you liked it i i had a really good time with it too and i'm 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 very eager to see kind of how this shakes out over the course of, of a game uh it is like you said it's just a, it's just a super interesting way mm-hmm. of of solving puzzles and of like approaching this world yeah i'm glad it, i'm glad it was good I've, I've been looking forward to this one for a long time as well so mm-hmm. that's good to hear yeah and then so the next game was a game called despelote uh by 
a developer or well, it's not by a studio. It's just a bunch of people. It's published by panic, but basically this is, it's like kind of like, it's like creative nonfiction almost in the form Mm -hmm. of video game about the, the Ecuador football teams first qualifying like run in the world cup in 2001 and about the importance of like soccer and this specific event of the qualification in the world cup to like the people of Ecuador and the community. And it's done through the eyes of this kid who's like plays soccer and lives in Ecuador and like how it's affecting the community around him. It was a short demo, but it was like, it was just really fascinating. I think it was, um, I like what it's trying to do. It's very clearly like speaking to a specific moment in time and like unraveling the relationship between like soccer and Ecuador and this moment and also the different ways people play soccer or experience soccer in their life. Uh, I thought it was really neat. Yeah, this is another one that I've been looking forward to for a while. There is a there's a really great deep dive into this in the the recent Day of the Devs, uh, where they have a long segment showing like speaking to the developers and showing how it was made uh, and the way that like they used like actual like they went and like took photographs of of actual things in Ecuador yeah. that were represented in the game in this very cool like almost Game Boy camera looking style. Yeah, it's like, like it's, it's lots of it's really fuzzy and weird, but it's very cool. Yeah, it almost looks like pointillist because it's just <laughs> these little fuzzy, fuzzy dots mm-hmm. everywhere. Another interesting thing that I thought that was they talked about in that the Day of the Dev segment was a lot of the um, like incidental dialogue of just like characters who are around you. They just recorded like impromptu. They literally just like put a microphone in front of like their friends and family members and we're like just talk about this thing and then that's what's in the game so it like sounds like people having real conversations as opposed to like video game dialogue barks yeah uh which i think is it's just cool to see that much like personality and that much like personal history like this is clearly a very personal game mm-hmm. it looks really interesting like i'm not interested at all in soccer but i'm interested <sighs> in the way that that informs these different relationships yeah it's another just really really interesting looking game that i'm i'm very excited for and then the next game was goodbye volcano high which mm-hmm. we've talked about and mm-hmm. i was like i was curious to see if it was this, if it was the same demo that we played at ludo Naricon. it was not mm-hmm. it was different something that i was so shocked by though and i was like so goodbye volcano high ended up winning the like tribeca games award this year i saw yeah it's good for a them. lot of a lot of good press but um the thing that i was really surprised by was that the demo that they have there didn't include any of the sections with music interesting wild to me that's weird i know i wonder if they're overhaul i wonder because i didn't really read any of the reactions when it was available as a demo but I know we had some, like, it was a little wonky at points. I wonder if they're, like, tweaking that and don't want to show it right now or what. I mean, they did announce they delayed the game. That's true. <laughs> like, right after Ludo yeah, Nericon. That's, that's really strange, though. It was very interesting. Or maybe that's just not the kind of thing they want to show at Tribeca. Like, they know yeah. it's not They what, wanted it to be yeah, narrative-focused where you could just click through and you didn't have mm-hmm. to, like, you know. But so I'm still looking forward to the game. It's coming out in August now, so that'll be fun. The next game was a game called Nightscape from this developer, Mazan Studios. Nightscape was, I think, the weakest game there. And it's one of those things where it's like, I understand what it's trying to do. It's a game that's kind of like, it's, it's mostly like a two kind of adventure game slash platformer. And it's based about around like 
Arabic stories. It's developers from Qatar. Uh, I think the game just feels very middling. It looks kind of rough. It plays kind of rough. It's a little uninteresting. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really impressed by it. And that, that like, like, I don't really even have much to say. It was just kind of, I left kind of being like, mm, well, I don't really need to go back to it. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard of this until it was selected for Tribeca. Um, so I don't really know much about it either. It there's it, there's like a something to do with like making constellations or yeah it's it's based around the idea of like you are kind of this person who is able to like speak to the constellations to like the 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 gods or like creatures that it they represent and you yeah and then you have to like collect certain things to make the constellations light up and then you can use them to like cross certain areas like it's just kind of unexciting though sure it's very formulaic very boring uh, mm. yeah. There's combat in it, which I was like, the combat is really rough, and I I see no purpose for it, kind of. It's too bad. Yeah. Uh, the next game was Stray Gods, and I actually that's too bad. did not. That's too bad. I actually didn't play the demo uh, because I was like, you know, at this point, they physically I am, barred you from approaching. <laughs> at this point, I am a month away from reviewing this game, basically, and you know, I just want to hold in all the specialness that I'm going to experience for that. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the last one was okay. Actually, before I get on to the last one, I want to say something about generally the selection. Which is, I think the selection was really interesting. They clearly had like a, an idea behind the games they were selecting where, except for a couple of them, but that's kind of my point here, is that they were very much thinking about the way people make games in certain locations and how that drives their their different perspectives on telling stories and, you know, video games. So like most of these games are heavily about place. And a lot of it is influenced by the people, like where the people who are making it come from. Like a Highland song is very quintessentially Scottish. Um, Despelote is very quintessentially Ecuadorian. Nightscape, despite not being great, is very, you know, distinctly about being from Qatar and, you know, being raised with these Arabic stories. There's a lot of that. Some of them were less so, like mm-hmm. Stray Gods is not really that. Um right. I wouldn't say good. I would not say good vol- volcano high is that. I don't know. Chance of Sonar is interesting because it's like it doesn't quite speak to that, but it is a game about different, you know, places and stuff. So it kind of yeah. ties together the themes. The one that I think absolutely made no sense to be here um, and felt the most like PR-ish one as opposed to like being an interesting statement or artistic idea was The Expanse, a Telltale series. Oh, yeah. That's a weird choice. It was very weird. It was also kind of the most prominent one. It's yeah. the first, like physically, when you walk into the Drybecca game space, it's the first game you see. It's also the longest demo that the demo can last up to 90 minutes. Whoa. Whereas most of the other ones are about 30 minutes. And here's what I had to say. Here's what, here was my thought about this. I was not very excited by this game. Um, I like The Expanse. I've played most of Telltale's games, but I was kind of like, it feels weird kind of bringing back Telltale in a way. Um, Yeah. Overall, that was kind of my opinion. I was like, I think to an extent, there's a reason Telltale doesn't make games anymore is because I think that style of of like game has kind of gone out the window. 
and there's a lot of roughness to it that yeah. still comes out. It feels outdated. It feels like there should have been more of an attempt to modernize the idea of like decision making and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like, yeah, Telltale came to prominence at a time when like the idea of making a narrative game meant basically just like playing out a story mm-hmm. and letting you make choices in a couple of moments. Whereas I think developers have gotten a lot better at like integrating that into gameplay a lot better. Now. Yeah. I, I will say one of the one of the most interesting moments is the like section I played all centers around scavenging from this wrecked ship. And there's this moment where you go to get stuff from the ship and they're basically like, you have to start walking through corridors. And I was like, I have no idea how to progress until I was walking around and suddenly I started walking up the sides of the wall. <laughs> and I was like, oh, because I'm still in space. Yeah. And so then there's like this much more interesting three-dimensional navigation. And there's even this like wild, like it's almost, it reminded me of Dead Space 2, where if you've played Dead Space 2, there's a section where you go out into space Mm -hmm. and you like do this zero G like section. There's basically a lot of that in this game, which I was really surprised by. And it was really interesting. Um, But at the end of the day, I think the, you know, uh, the specific narrative style of telling a telltale story I think it's a little too outdated. Yeah, I I kind of want to play this game largely just because of I did really like the expanse and particularly mm-hmm. I loved Kamina Drummer, the character I mean, who you yeah, like play absolutely. as in this game. Like yeah. she just rules. But yeah, it does feel kind of like the the time for this type of game has sort of passed. Uh that's that is also a really weird choice for Tribeca. It does feel like kind of like a name recognition thing. And so yeah. so there's one thing I didn't say and I want to talk about. When I actually was there playing the games, so there was a press preview day on June 8th, which is the same day as Summer Game Fest, which is why I didn't go to it because I was, you know, writing about Summer Game Fest. So I finally got to go like in the most recent week. I went on just a Friday morning and showed up and played. But so it was almost like it was one of the things where it's like I got the regular experience where PR people weren't surrounding Mm -hmm. us being like, oh, we need to make sure you guys have a great experience. How many of these games do you think I had technical difficulties with? Oh, no. Is it all of them? It was half of them. And the specific thing that I was like astounded by is that it was that the audio wasn't working. And they just, the headphones, like they had wire, it was wireless headphones, wireless controller. Each station was like its own station where you'd sit on the couch and play the game. Four of the games... There, or well, rather, I played six because I didn't play Street Gods. Three of the games, the sound didn't work. And I would ask like the one attendant who was nearby, and I was like, hey, uh, the headphones aren't working. You know, he took it and he fucked around with it for a second. He was like, yeah, okay. Then he gave it back and I I put them on thinking they would be working and they just weren't. (laughs) And I was like, okay, um, that's fun. And I was astounded by this because this specific selection, Three of these games have very important mechanics and elements that are surrounded about music. Stray Gods is a musical game. Goodbye Volcano High, although they didn't really have it in this demo, is a musical game. A Highland Song has an element of song and music. And I got none of that. And it was astounding. And then there were were times where... Because these stations sat idle for some time, controllers would disconnect. And like, because I play games, I know what to do. I know to just fucking press the Xbox (laughs) button and it'll turn on, give it a second, it it connects. But like, I was there for probably 
three and a half hours. And I would look around and I was just, I, some of the best things that I experienced was watching how other people interacted with the exhibit or like the selection. There was like one or two attendants, but then there would be people who would come by and like all different people. Like there was one of my favorite things that I saw was it was like, there was like a 70 year old woman who came by. She looked at it and she was like, oh, that's interesting. They're games. She sat down at the Stray Gods section. Mm -hmm. She put on the headphones. She picked up the controller and she fucked around with the buttons. And she looked very confused because the controller was disconnected. And I don't know if she could hear anything. I have no idea. But then she fucked around for like a minute while two attendants were standing over in the corner, not doing anything. And then she took off her headphones, put the controller down and got up and left. Yikes. And this happened multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I was like, because the controllers are disconnected and people who don't play games don't know what to do. And if, you know, some of these booths, the sound just didn't work. Like, I just played Goodbye Volcano High not wearing the headphones because the sound didn't work. And I was so disappointing to see. Yeah, that's that's um, very weird. Like, And I had a lot of thoughts about this because, like, Tribeca, I think, really actually does care like they're doing, I think they're doing games a service in a way by having this interesting selection every year. It's, I think it's massively important. I really respect what they do. And I think the games they select really speaks to them having like an idea behind why they're choosing games. Um, but like, it was astounding to get there and just see that like, it was kind of a mess um, on the actual floor. And like, I was thinking about this because Tribeca started as a film festival. If you went to a Tribeca film festival screening and they played the movie and then the movie just didn't have sound yeah. <laughs> that would never fucking happen. And they would fix that. But like, that wasn't the case. And it was, it was upsetting. Like I want games to be taken seriously. I want people to be able to enjoy interesting games. And like, these are some really great games that I think people should be, you know, exposed to. And they just, despite people being interested, they just didn't have the chance because it wasn't working. Yeah, that sounds really frustrating. Like that they they are mm -hmm. going to like pretty great lengths to like choose these games and make this setup where people the public can come and play them and stuff. It's very strange to like fumble that in the very last step of like making sure everything technically works. That that's very bizarre. Yeah, and it's like I don't know, maybe I guess you got the press to play it when it all worked and you probably got the voting body like the people mm -hmm. who vote on the award to play it when it all worked, but like if you want people to actually like the the average person to take this more serious and be interested, right. then this should work. And it just didn't. Yeah. And that is an opportunity. It's like people like see Tribeca as a like, you know, a serious thing a, and like an organization with like critical judgment that is introducing them to interesting films. And so if that sort of prestige can carry over into games in the same way, you're right. I think that is a, a service to like games like this that are not the the sort of non-game playing public's idea of what a game is. This is a good opportunity to expose them to a lot more interesting side of the medium. And it's, yeah, it's really unfortunate to to then have it be like basically unapproachable or, you know, like not, not working on like a technical mm -hmm. level. So that was a little disappointing. Yeah. But then the one other thing that I did do at Tribeca mm -hmm. also was... I went to the screening, the world premiere screening of a documentary yes. called Hideo Kojima Connecting Worlds. So exciting. And oh man, was this fascinating. It's it was like an hour long. Um, and it's basically about it takes place 
during the development of Death Stranding. Um, but it's kind of mostly about like looking at Hideo Kojima as a creator and you, you get some information about his like upbringing and his past in a way that like I haven't heard a lot of people get from him before. Um, but overall, it was exactly as pretentious as I thought it would be. It's basically just about Hideo Kojima is the greatest video game creator ever. He is an auteur. And if we were to lose him, the world would be a worse place. Oh, wait, don't other people make those games? Don't don't think about that. It's it's all Kojima. But the weird thing was, is like, it was pretentious and that was not surprising, but it was also a very middling documentary itself. It's an hour long. It's not, it doesn't really give you insight into the actual development of Death Stranding. But then on top of that, it doesn't actually say something interesting about the life of Hideo Kojima because they don't touch on any other games he's ever created. Like, it's not a holistic view of like, how did this creator come to be? How does he view art? How does he make art? And how does that lead to Death Stranding? Like, they never mention Metal Gear. They don't really talk about any of that. They don't talk about, you know, police knots or anything that like these games get mentioned, but they don't discuss it. And there's way too much of this documentary's runtime are just like glamour shots of Kojima just like walking around Tokyo. And it was weird, like especially I was thinking a lot about Psych Odyssey because this is an incredibly holistic view of development in a realistic way. And that wasn't this wasn't that. Also, you know, it's called Hideo Kojima Connecting World. So it's like, if this is supposed to be kind of a biography of a man, it also falls down on that job because it doesn't actually engage with, you know, 60 years of this man's life and what has come out of it. In a way, I just kind of came away disappointed. Like, that was it. I don't know. What was the point? Who knows, maybe it'll be out soon for the public to see and you can watch it and people can judge, but it was very uninteresting. So beyond those things, uh, we've actually also both been playing a game. Uh, we've been playing Dordogne. It is a short little like watercolor aesthetic, uh, short little adventure game, I would call it, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it's honestly, it goes without saying that this is like an absolutely stunningly beautiful game. The art style is gorgeous. I really love it. It's really fun being in this world. And just, I love just standing in any of the landscapes and just looking around. I was really intrigued at the beginning. I, I like the idea of what it's getting at with these themes. I love the idea of talking about memory and you know, thinking about these specific memories of this one summer for this young girl and how we obviously see her change between that summer and where she is now and all these relationships. And I like some of the mechanics of the day-to-day -day in the summer. Uh, specifically, I like when it gives you the chance to make a scrapbook page. I think in a way, this game's strength is its brevity. Like, I think this would be worse if it kept going. I like a short game. I think it's neat. I think that kind of its themes and where the story goes kind of peter out in an uninteresting aspect. Like, it just, it's a weird payoff. And I understand that, like, they decided it needed to be a mystery. 
And I don't necessarily agree with that. A game I was also thinking about a lot was Gone Home. Because, uh, I, th- I mean, it has a lot of Gone Home aspects, especially, you know, the game takes place. It switches between two times. Like, it's you experiencing the summer when it was, and then it's you as an adult going back to the empty house and like trying to recover kind of a box of stuff your grandma's left you and you are wandering around the house and it's empty, but you're picking up things and seeing memories and thinking about gone home a lot in that way. Um, And I just think it doesn't pull off in the narrative that it chose to, which is a little disappointing. I was thinking a lot about in a way, um, I've never played these games, but the uh, Boku no Natsu Yasumi series, which is basically about doing mundane tasks throughout a summer. And there is an element of that that I was thinking about where it's like the best parts of this game are when it's thinking about the like the how mundane things can be very important, especially for this young kid doing this summer. And I almost wanted more of just that than anything else. Mm-hmm. I think it's still absolutely worth playing. I do think people should play it, especially again, it's one of those things where it's like, it's on Game Pass and you can play this game in one sitting. Like it's, I still like, I do think that like, even still thinking about it, this is probably one of my more fa- like more liked games of the year so far. And it's Robin again, here to show you all the door. So as usual, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find Girl Mode on Twitter at girlmode underscore pod or on co-host at girlmode-pod. You can find me, both those places, at Robin Bombus, And you can find Willa, both those places, at the Willa Row. Once again, just to remind, uh, we may or may not be recording next week, uh, but we will keep you posted on Twitter and hopefully by then... My computer will be a little more cooperative and we won't have to do this uh, awkward post recording thing that I'm doing right now. And I'm going to stop doing in just a second because it feels deranged. I hope you enjoy the next week or two of your lives with or without us. And we'll see you soon. Take care. You are still away in the bathroom, I think. Um, I'm just hanging out. I hope you're having a nice day when you're editing. My cat is behind me. She is in her hammock. It's very cute. Oh, you came back with a popsicle. That was very suggestive. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Shut up. What? I wasn't saying anything. I mean, you'll you'll find out. Maybe you'll find out what I was saying when you edit this. Mm-hmm. Nice popsicle. Yeah. Robin t- is asked us to stop so that she could get a popsicle. Baller move. She's taking a popsicle break. Baller. Baller move. Zoe says. <laughs>